Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. So Shelby, why don't we start where you can just uh, introduce everybody to yourself and to your platform. Yeah. Um, so my name is Shelby Williams. I am originally from the U.S. I currently live in Belgium. Um, I dance as a soloist for the Royal Ballet of Flanders in Antwerp. Um, I danced around Europe in a few different companies in Germany and Spain and France a little bit. Um, and yeah, I trained at Houston. So that's like my, my dance part of uh, who I am. But uh, Biscuit Ballerina was something I started, I think, almost three years ago maybe a little over three years ago. Um, but it's, so it's a social media page. Maybe some of you know about it, that I, I basically take all the things that are really tough about ballet uh, that we're constantly fighting against um, that would not, that you don't want to do. And I try to over-exaggerate them, things I would be frustrated by, and I turn them into a caricature so that it's something I can kind of laugh off instead of getting frustrated by it. Um, and it's something that I put on social media just on a whim because a, a friend of mine's you know, shared it on her page and, and it got some positive feedback, but it's actually kind of a coping mechanism I've always used from my training through to my professional career. Um, yeah, when I, when I start to criticize myself too much, it's better that I just turn it around and make fun of myself instead. Yeah. And it's honestly has been helping a lot, not just yourself, but a lot of dancers out there. Why don't you tell us about your relationship with food as a pre-professional dancer? So uh, before you got to your professional career. Yeah, um, so I'm really lucky that my mom is really passionate about cooking. And so growing up, she taught me how to cook. And I think that was a really um, healthy start to my relationship with food was that I built this kind of love relationship around food, things that in included food, it was always something with family. And so it started in a really healthy place. Um, then I would go to summer intensives when I was younger. And that was really the first time I started learning about nutrition. Beyond in school, we were taught, you know, like the food pyramid and some things in health class, but really uh, ballet summer intensives were the first place that I think it was put in my mind. Oh, you need to be aware of your nutrition in this career. Um, so, I have to say, like, I, I, when I was much younger, I didn't really think too much about um, trying to be on a diet or anything. But as I got closer to the point where I was graduating from high school and I was having to work for a job, um, the stress of questioning, am I good enough, certainly got to me that sometimes, um, in retrospect, I see, oh, I maybe had some unhealthy eating habits that I was, I was dieting or I thought I was dieting, but actually I was just restricting calories more than I should have. That was not actually beneficial to my dancing. Um, luckily though, I didn't have teachers that supported that in any way. 
Um, and I, I remember, yeah, if I share a little anecdote, I, one time I sprained my ankle. It was the only time I was injured while I was in school. And I remember I got very stressed and I thought I'm falling behind. Uh, and that like this mentality of how can I be productive in this time that I can't dance was when I first tried to go on a diet. And luckily I had one of my teachers um, come up to me when I was back in the studio and she told me like, Shelby, you're not, you're not looking good. You know, like whatever you're doing, it's not helping you. Um, and it kind of made me realize that's, that's not the route I need to go. If I want to improve as a dancer, uh, controlling my food is not what's going to make me a better dancer. I need to fuel my body so that I have strength so that I can improve actually in my movement, in my technique, in my strength and all these other things. So I'm very thankful for that teacher who did not reinforce it, which I, I think some people have unfortunately experiences where that, that is reinforced. Yeah, yeah, you were lucky. Really, That that is definitely, I would say, um, the exception and like the rarity to have a teacher who's like, whatever you're doing, cut it out because it's not sustainable in the long run. And just to back up a little bit, uh, the point that you made about summer intensives, summer intensives, just from my perspective as a dietitian, I would say my busiest time is the end of August when all the dancers are back and they have fallen into behaviors because they've seen it from other dancers or maybe have heard comments from uh, whether it be directors or teachers that they don't usually take with, uh, whether that's those um, higher ups perhaps comment or complimenting how they look. And then of course, not knowing how they really got there. And so often with summer intensives, just with the nature of an intensive, it's intense, it's busy and that schedule is packed. So like, if you really don't know genuinely how to fuel yourself, it really just gets exacerbated when we have such a busy schedule. So, uh, yeah, that, that's so, such an important concept, especially as we do head into summer intensive season of this year, which is also going to be pretty different, another very different um, type of summer intensive season that we're going to see. So I think it's really important for dancers to hear that and to hear that it's very much a place where we need to have a bit of a proactive approach to making sure we don't develop those unsustainable behaviors. Um, and yet, lucked out with that teacher who pretty much like nipped it in the butt pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I am so thankful for that teacher, really, the, the, the avenue that could have gone down, because I'm, I was always someone who's like a little bit of a teacher's pet, like people pleaser, I just want to make sure like all, all the teachers in, in school like me, and if, if she had gone another way, that could have really had like kind of long-term impact on my relationship with food. Um, but going to the summer intensive thing, just adding on to that, it's, it's true that at summer intensives, a lot of times it's the first time you might be coming from a very healthy studio, and it could be the first time you interact with people who might not be coming from the healthiest studio, but they might have those sorts of teachers that reinforce bad eating habits or encourage um, like unhealthy body weights. And so then suddenly being at a summer intensive with these people, just remember they're not experts either. Your, your peers, they might be maybe super talented and it might look like they're thriving at that summer intensive, but they're not nutrition experts. They're not ones who should be kind of setting the model for how you should feed or fuel your body. What works for someone might not work for you or also what works for someone might actually be very unhealthy and you just don't know because you can't feel, you know, their drop in energy each day. It's, right. Yeah. 
So what you think works for someone actually might not be working for them because they might be landing themselves with a stress fracture at the end of that summer intensive. So I think that's really important too. You know, just looking at someone and seeing how they perform in class isn't even an indicator of, you know, how they're eating, um, which kind of like gives me a little bit of a follow-up question. When your teacher approached you and was like, hey, you know, whatever you're doing, stop it. Um, how did it unravel from there in regards to how did you, how did you like mix the unhealthy behaviors and, um, and really learn a little bit more about fueling yourself in a more sustainable way? Um, well, I have to say I was really relieved because I was not happy with the, the kind of diet I put myself on. And I remember when she was like, stop it, whatever. I was, I was just relieved, like, oh, thank God. Like I'm always hungry. And I'm like, always trying to portion out my food and, I, and then it was so first thing was a relief and so it's quite easy for me to dive back into it because again I felt like I had this approval from like a superior someone higher than me so there was no more pressure there like guilt um, about how should I be regimenting things or not um, and then with time I have to say like into my career my the way I found balance with food and making sure I understand what fuels me well and what doesn't has actually been a combination of learning about nutrition, you know, things like learning from sources, okay, this is really good pre-performance, this is really great post-performance, that sort of stuff, and just trial and error, like having things and then one show being like, ooh, should not have eaten that before this show, or having something being like, oh, I, that left me feeling really great and I had sustained energy through the whole show, so a lot of it was trial and error. Absolutely. So that's, again, just to recap for all the dancers watching, that's part, you know, learning from trusted sources, those trusted sources being professionals, like in the nutrition field, whether that's, you know, a dietitian, um, a trusted health coach type of thing, or, and I should say a mental health therapist as well could be a trusted source. And it's also a matter of trial and error. And I hear this a lot from dancers as well, you know, learning that, you know, having um whatever it might be, maybe a heavier snack before a performance or a heavier meal, whether that's some, for some dancers, and I've spoken to a lot of dancers with these uh, already, some dancers thrive with that and some dancers need to break it up like throughout the performance. So I think that idea of trial and error is very important. Uh, now, fast forward a bit, and just like you were kind of discussing in the beginning of our chat, you have this dual personality now. So you're Shelby, professional dancer, and you've really, you know, figured, well, I would say you're on this journey of dancing in a, in a sustainable way. I don't usually like to say figured it out because, I mean, even I sometimes feel like I haven't figured it out. You know what I mean? Like we're all, all on this journey together in regards to just like maintaining a balanced like relationship with our body and our food choices. Um, but then you have this whole other personality of Biscuit Ballerina, which as you were discussing before was somewhat of a coping mechanism and allowed you to really take to the extreme um, this opposing idea of what we work so hard for in dance and in ballet, that perfectionism and this other persona that's now striving for imperfectionism. So talk to us a little bit about that, you know, about the platform of Biscuit Ballerina and what your goal with it was and is, and also maybe perhaps what has unraveled since you've started. Yeah. So when, when I first started doing kind of Biscuit Ballerina dancing, it was actually with my classmates in Houston mm -hmm. um, and it was my roommates. And it was when we were really stressed about, I don't know, we had like evaluations coming up and 
uh, it was a way that we could get together and we all performed variation we were working on as poorly as we could just to to kind of counteract the the focus and stress and attention and everything that was put into trying to do it perfect um and then from there i have to say like i kept using it for myself i was having a bad class and i felt myself kind of going into a downward spiral mentally if i was getting frustrated and then the next combination was bad and then the next one and the next one and it was clearly because of my, my mental headspace that I was kind of ruining it for myself. I was psyching myself out. I would do this little thing where I would, whatever I did wrong, I would exaggerate it. And it would kind of like cut that, that like my, that block I had, whatever I was getting stuck in, in my head, because I was frustrated or upset, um, making fun of myself in the middle of class or in a rehearsal would help me stop, you know, get some distance and I keep going. And I would do it with friends just to make my friends laugh also, because it was nice, like, especially in the group, sometimes if it was a long day or stressful, it was nice to just kind of lighten the mood with it. Um, and I had some other colleagues who were really, really fantastic at it as well. Um, but then when you ask like, what do I hope or how did it come to be that I'm sharing it? What do I hope it brings? I never expected that it would become any sort of viral thing. I really thought it was just gonna be my close friends that I knew from my career in different places would maybe follow it. And then it just started growing and then I kind of realized, okay, I need to make sure people understand like why I'm doing this so that it's not misunderstood as it's making fun of people. It's really taking things I struggle with, things that I'm constantly getting corrections on and I'm taking those and exaggerating them. And it just happens to be that we all work on the same stuff. So it looks like a lot of us when we're, when we're struggling. And um, yeah, and so with that, I tried to make sure that message is clear to people who follow the account. Um, and then with time, it's nice that people start contributing. So I think I like that it's built up this kind of community feeling of dancers at all different levels that like no matter where you are on the curve of trying to perfect your technique or improve your dancing skills or whatever, uh, we can all relate to the same thing. And I think there's a sort of like universality of it. Yes. Absolutely. And we've connected over this because of the uh, parallel similarities of perfectionism with dance and with our technique and how so many dancers, including myself in the past, have uh, really like diverted this, this perfectionism to their food choices and fallen into this uh fallen on the slippery slope of how do we of i guess just hyper focusing on food and on health and again that idea of perfecting our performance and i want dancers to realize and i want to you know hear your thoughts on this as well is that so often a dancer's drive for perfection comes from a place of good intent you know all is to succeed, right, in this uh, very, very difficult art form. Um, and I know with myself and where I was with disordered eating behaviors over a decade ago when I was dancing full-time, I really just wanted to learn how to fuel my body. And I unfortunately took my, my perfectionism took over and it made me obsess over what I was putting in my body, how I was fueling, and it got to the point where I led myself to burnout. So do you agree that uh, you know, the, a dancer's pursuit of perfection, it comes from a good place, but we've got to take it two steps back and essentially do exactly what you're doing is take it in the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. And I think it's why I also love kind of how you, what you promote, but I love that you also like unwind it. You know, it's, it's, 
you got to have balance in your life and it's okay to allow yourself to to indulge in like sweets when you want to have dessert after a meal or, or that sort of thing so I think the the mentality is very much the same when we apply like to trying to improve ourselves as dancers and then trying to improve our health as dancers that it has good intentions but it's maybe not always the healthiest approach we could have and like one um one thing I think about with with uh, perfectionism I I think I told you once before uh it's kind of easy with the way we work as dancers is like discipline is glorified Mm-hmm. And we know if we come into class every day and we do the same bar and we work on this exercise and we repeat this exercise a million times or we work on fuetes, we don't stop. And every day we come back, we do those fuetes, they will improve. So there's a certain mentality that's reinforced that repetition is good, discipline is good. And so that's really easy to, to apply to food without realizing actually how unhealthy that is, where we think, okay, if I'm as disciplined with my food, I will see progress the way I see progress in the studio with my dancing. And the thing is, food food is not dancing. Ballet, you can repeat things a lot and it, you, you can still have a healthy relationship with it. Food, if you control everything and, and you only eat certain things and it's so regimented like that, that's that's a different thing and that's not healthy. And I think it's it becomes a gray area for dancers where they feel like, they're putting in the work and they're being productive for their health. Um, but actually they're really destroying their relationship with food. Yeah. And I just actually want to say that um, even having that, you know, one track mind with dance and with ballet, not necessarily like the most encouraged approach either, because I'm sure you've seen, I know even with myself, once you are able to experience other Um, realms in dance, whether that's other genres of dance, working with other choreographers, that's when you develop depth as an artist and as a dancer. So if we think of this similar to food in regards to allowing yourself to experience other types of foods, whether that's other types of cultural foods or um, what other types of food groups, instead of being hyper-focused on these quote-unquote safe foods or clean foods, um, what depth are you bringing to your and uh, to your abilities on stage? So I, I really think that it, it plays hand in hand with each other is allowing yourself um, additional experiences, not a one track mind, even with ballet, which is by the way, like something I fell into again, when I was dancing full time, I had a one track mind of a classical ballerina and it didn't leave much room for learning other genres. And I did, I, you know, I forced myself to get into more contemporary and modern, modern work, but I think had I known to do that from a younger age, I think I would have been better off in my performing career as a dancer. So I think it's important for dancers to, you know, hear that as well is that not having that one track mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm glad you pointed that out because it is very true. It's like you, uh, as a dancer, you learn so much from having different experiences that your teacher can be like even even if your goal is I want to be in a classical ballet company like I don't want to be in a company that performs contemporary rap just trying different styles of dance be it hip-hop or tap or contemporary like postmodern like whatever um just trying different things gives you a different perspective of your ballet or whatever you're pursuing. And so the, the more experiences you have in life also, even outside of dance, you know, having hobbies that are not dance, uh, having friends who are not dancers, seeing different perspectives of different people. It's very easy for us to get in this kind of um, bubble yeah. of, you know, it's, it's very, 
it's a very tight bubble sometimes when you, all your friends or people that you train with and all the people you spend the most time with are the ones you're doing a production with. Like it's very easy to get in this bubble where everyone thinks the same. So, and things become an echo chamber. So the ability to kind of open your mind a little bit or, or fuel yourself with new ideas to keep you inspired uh, is more likely to happen if you expand all parts of your life. So your experiences outside of the studio as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point. Um, and, you know, just to break down a little bit more, as dancers, your account is really teaching us not to stress about the inevitable, which is messing up. Do you still struggle with this? You know, is this something, obviously, Biscuit Ballerina is what you've created to help with that. So is that something you still struggle with? Yeah, it's definitely something I still struggle with. I, um, over the years, it's definitely gotten better. But for example, now during the pandemic, it got a little bit worse because our company is not performing multiple shows. I used to have this kind of mentality that I, I got to a really healthy place that I was like, if I mess up one show, it's a live show. It's a game to see. And, you know, they'll, they'll, the next show will be better. And there's there's aspects of every show that are special. So it's not like it's a total loss, you know? It's that the beauty of live art is each one is different. And then now in the pandemic, because we can't do live shows, we're doing recordings. And I, for me, it was very difficult to accept that, okay, you have one shot, it's recorded, and it goes poorly. Not only do those people see it who watch live, it's it's recorded, and for two more weeks, people are going to watch it over and over again. And so that really got in my head. I, you know, I, I'm certainly not immune to self-judgment and stress and anxiety around, oh, it's not going to be good enough. Um, but I kind of have to remind myself, you know, practice what you preach. I, it's easier said than done. Um, so I, it's definitely, it's a, it's constantly checking in with yourself yeah. and making sure, okay, uh, remember you're human. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's what I was just going to say, you know, just like I said before, this is a journey. I think, um, even I say this with myself, like even with food and with body image, it's all a journey and we're all constantly checking in on ourselves. I think the pandemic and quarantine was the biggest test to so many dancers and it's interesting to hear your perspective now as we enter this kind of like you not quite there yet but like new post-pandemic life and where things are still very much virtual and broadcasted but still realizing that you know you are human and mistakes will happen they are inevitable and it's just a matter of continuously checking with yourself so you don't land in burnout land yeah Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's tough. It's been a tough year for everyone. And, and I think it's an easy uh, year for anxiety to build up because build up because of like insecurity of we don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know where it's leading for a lot of arts institutions financially. We don't know what the future is for them. Um, so I think it's a good time for us to remember that we need to be forgiving for ourselves, forgiving in as so many ways as possible because there's there's a lot happening and it's out of our control and it's difficult you know I think uh, as a lot of dancers are like we love to be in control we love to be constructive and there's something we can work on and you know sometimes now it's a big lesson on uh, you can't control everything so yeah yeah and just uh, reminding and also just you know as we we've spoken about this before just being too perfectionist and I know a lot of dancers can relate to this it's not necessarily about making yourself not a perfectionist it's just more so learning how you can navigate life without having to fall into that all or nothing mindset like what you said before where it's like you know if you if you have a mess up in a show 
Um, it's not all or nothing. It doesn't mean the whole, that whole show was a bad show. It's more, again, learning how you can go about um, not falling into this all or nothing mindset. And, um, you know, you might not have control over every situation and that's normal, that's life. And this is how we have to learn how to navigate through it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Shelby, what would you say are really the biggest takeaways, if you could pick like two or three that you want dancers to walk away with from following your account? Um, so the first, and I, I feel like I already see it really works, is I love how Falling Friday mm. makes people not be so upset about falling. Mm -hmm. The number of times I've had dancers send me a video of themselves falling on stage with some kind of comment that said, normally I would be upset, but my first thought was, I can be on Falling Friday. <laughs> so yeah, I kind of love it. It's like, you know, it's human and all of us will fall on stage at one point or another or in the studio, like hard. I've had my share of falls on stage. Um, so already I like that. The kind of fact that it normalizes that everyone has moments where they slip or mess up or whatever, and we can laugh it off instead of um, really becoming upset by it. Um, so that's one of the, the kind of most tangible takeaways that I'm glad I see it happening and I hope it continues to happen. And guys keep sending me the videos of me falling because I love them. Mm -hmm. I wish I had more videos of myself falling. Unfortunately, I don't have videos of every show, but, um, and then also just, um, the aspect of the, the healthy mental health part of dance that realizing, you know, we need to constantly check in with ourselves. It's not something we, we can neglect because if we neglect it, something's going to build up. There's going to be a burnout moment or a breakdown or, or something uh, with how intensely we work sometimes. So it's, it's really good to constantly check in and also not have any sort of stigma about talking our, about our mental health. Like if you, if you need help or you need to talk to someone, I hope that, Biscuit Ballerina helps people feel more comfortable about starting that conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then my final question that I ask everybody on here is very broad, but I'm going to throw it out there. How would you define a healthy dancer? For me, a healthy dancer is, I mean, it's also very broad, so I'll try to narrow it down, but a healthy dancer is a happy dancer. So whatever you're doing in your dance, like if, if you feel comfortable and confident and you you find that your mind is at peace and you can really just enjoy your dancing I think that's a healthy dancer if you if there's stress behind it like maybe you're thriving in the studio and like maybe physically you're strong maybe technically like everything's going well but if there's some underlying something that's really preventing you from enjoying it then maybe maybe there needs to be something um re-examined a little bit asking like why why am I not happy when I'm dancing yeah. And I think when, when everything's in place, when, when your body's feeling good and feeling fueled and, and uh, your mind is at ease, and you can really enjoy yourself. I think that's the really healthy place that answer can be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one thing that you uh, alluded to that I think is really important for dancers to realize is that sometimes we think like, oh, I'm going to be really happy if I make this role. And I think it's important to realize that that's a, also a false sense of happiness and what you said about just finding um, freedom and finding happiness in all realms, not just like this physical realm and more of just like the mental and emotional as well is so important. Yeah, I think to tie into that, um, 
it's really easy to become goal oriented in ballet, like in school, moving up a level or winning a scholarship or getting into a summer intensive or once you're in the company, being getting that contract or getting cast. And so it's really easy to um, for people to try to define their happiness based on whether they achieve certain things. But that little high that we get from accomplishments is so fleeting and it, it can't sustain us through the whole time. So to have a really healthy relationship with dance, it's something that you have to also be happy in the process, not just at the end of it. You know, you have to make sure you enjoy rehearsals, you enjoy class, you enjoy downtime, even like lunch breaks with friends. Is it is it a stressful time for you? Or can you also just like be social and have a meal with friends and, you know, use that as really a mental break from how much you're concentrating in the studio. It's, it's all a balance and realizing that the whole process, the whole mm -hmm. process needs healthy you can't just be waiting for that that happy moment at the end 100 percent. you know turning it more into being more process oriented rather than goal oriented is critical critical for the sustainability of a dancer yeah exactly well shelby thank you so much this was incredible you've given us so much insight so much more than even just what your platform platform has become and has to offer but um thank you so much for that really it's helped me with my own perfectionism and i know it's helped a lot of dancers out there as well Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoy it. I, I really, I appreciate everything you do for, for dancers and, and, you know, helping change the mentality towards like, what is nutrition for dancers? I think we've, we've all probably had some bad advice at some point in our training or career. So it's, it's really, uh, you know, nice to see that this is changing and we're, we're finding a much healthier relationship with food for dancers. Absolutely, Shelby. Well, we will talk again soon. Thank you for joining me.